We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at BlueWire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast around the Blue Wire Network. We are brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, we just watched The Last Dance. The episode ended minutes ago. We saw, I think it was the fifth and sixth episodes in the series. Uh, We saw the Bulls win their second championship in 1992. We saw the formation of the Dream Team uh, the summer after that. We got the Tony Kukoc backstory. Uh, We saw sort of the darker side of Michael Jordan with the gambling allegations uh, a little bit of a focus on a political race in North Carolina in 1990 that he didn't give a strong endorsement on. Then we saw the Bulls win their third championship. Um, now it's sort of like hinting at MJ's upcoming retirement. One thing I think that was a major theme throughout this was sort of like the weight of fame on Jordan's shoulders that he was feeling amid the gambling allegations. Uh, you have to read what Jack Silverstein wrote today at his newsletter uh really good look at sort of the gambling speculation around jordan that was going on throughout the 1993 playoffs i mean like during the eastern conference finals against the knicks during the nba finals against the phoenix suns this was like a major top major topic of conversation on the pregame broadcast on the national news so we saw all that i think these were two really good episodes uh, and there's also plenty more going on in Bullsland with uh, Mark Eversley being introduced as GM, him and Karnashovis having some good quotes in the media. So we ha- actually have a lot to talk about. I guess we should feel lucky considering we're an NBA podcast in the middle of May in a pandemic. And uh, it still seems like the Bulls are, are as relevant as ever right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely talk about that gambling stuff in a bit. But you mentioned the Karnashovas and Eversley stuff. And I kind of wanted to bring some of the stuff that they were talking about and kind of tied that into the last dance. Uh, Karnashovas, first of all, talked about how he said he got so emotional watching the last dance on like last Sunday that he decided to call Eversley and offer him the job that night instead of the next morning. Like I read, I read that, that tweet from, I think it was from Casey Johnson and I like laughed my ass off. That was hilarious. It's like, it was like so corny, but it also got me super fired up, which is like, yeah, this is fucking dope. Like just watching Michael Jordan, the last dance, like just inspired him to go hire his GM like that night. And he was just like, so like, (laughs) that was super funny. And then, uh, they like they had a conference call on Friday. A lot of the, I mean, a lot of the stuff was whatever typical boilerplate stuff. But one thing that I had noticed, I wrote about this at Forbes, was Eversley talking about how he wants to make the Bulls cool again. And something we have talked about a lot on this podcast, and you see it in the Last Dance. We saw it in some of the, in these episodes today. Just like the Bulls as a global brand, we like we have hammered this home all the time about how the Bulls huge market global brand because of Michael Jordan. We saw how popular he is. Uh, and they obviously they focus a lot in these episodes about like his marketing stuff and the Nike, the Air Jordans, all his just all his commercials and all that kind of stuff. But just how big a deal he was, how popular he was, and how, like just how like cool and badass the Bulls were. He and the Bulls were, and how the Bulls have they've just fallen off so much in recent years. And like the Bulls are at this point are a irrelevant laughing stock basically in recent years like we were at all-star weekend and the bulls were they were a nothing they were completely there there was like no presence there zach levine did a three-point contest other than that like the big bulls headline was zach levine on espn with the uh fired gar packs chance so like that was just like that's like how far the bulls have fallen there have been reports about how like john paxton gar foreman as a front office that just like people don't really just did not have a good uh, opinion of them. Just like around the league, just low opinion. People don't think, do, do not think it's cool to play for the Bulls. Like they haven't really, they obviously haven't been able to get like huge free agents in recent history. So just like this whole thing about just making the Bulls cool again. Like I, again, so some it might sound corny, but like to me, it's like yes, like he gets it. And again, a big emphasis. And we talked about this on our last pod when we had Kyle Newbick on and talking about Mark Eversley. Uh, his relationship relationship building skills. He worked at Nike. Obviously, Nike huge factor here with the Michael Jordan stuff, and just like building relationships and making the Bulls bring that brand back. Like they've they've fallen so far in recent years where they are at this point basically irrelevant. And then just like watching this the Last Dance stuff and just seeing like how awesome they used to be and like and how we grew up knowing the Bulls as this awesome global iconic brand. It got me kind of fired up. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Do you ever have uh, times where like someone favorites a super old tweet of yours and you're like, huh, I don't even remember sending that one out. When was that from? That happened to me today. And some guy favorited a tweet that said, another good thing about this Bulls season is that it has to be extremely embarrassing to the front office, the laughing stock of the league. I'm like, what? I don't remember <laughs> tweeting that. I clicked on it. It was from March 2016, Jesus. which was, I think, right before the playoffs of the three alphas year. Uh, in so like, you know, we've been harping on the failures of the Garpax era for the Bulls since long, long ago, well before this change has been made. That tweet was from 2016, and I'm sure that even at that point I was talking about it incessantly and people were tuning out. But uh, I think that, you know, what Karnaschovis and Eversley do want to do is just like totally rid themselves 
of the organizational failings of the Bulls over the last 10 years. So when we were talking to Kyle about Eversley and when I've continued to you know, read things, listen to things on Eversley, to me it seems very obvious that while he does have this scouting background, uh, that he's more of a relationships guy. And he became that by working his way up through Nike. I mean, going from retail to an NBA GM and I don't know the exact timeline, but 15, like 15 years or whatever or it was. I think like not, probably like 20, like two decades, basically. Really an incredible story. Obviously, yeah. he was a former player. Eversley was the best man at Vince Carter's wedding. Uh, he seems like he has a lot of great relationships with people around the league. I certainly hope that can continue to be the case for the younger generation, not just for the guys who are closer to his age. Uh, but I think Eversley is sort of going to be like, the cool dude is the face of the organization. Karnaschovas is going to be the guy who's going to have the final say. Uh, really, all of the moves that the Bulls make personnel-wise will be Karnaschovas' name on the line, right? More so than anyone else. Yeah, sure. I do wonder if the Bulls are still missing like a numbers guy, like a high-thinking analytical presence, of course. Uh, I believe they still have Steve Weinman on staff, who was the analytics guy under the old regime. Uh, he always seemed really sharp in you know, the interview uh, Darnell did with him at The Athletic this past year. So that's a good uh, guy to keep on staff. And I hope that they can continue fleshing out the staff with some more, uh, some more like analytics guys and numbers guys. Because one thing I thought that was interesting about Eversley's initial comments to the Chicago media is he said that he couldn't believe how small yes. the player development yep. staff was the last couple of years. Touch an indictment. He's like, yeah, we they had one guy dedicated to player development. He's like, you know, we're there's all these different aspects that go into player development. If one person handle that is just absolutely ridiculous. So uh, when Michael Reinsdorf made the decision to overhaul the front office or when John Paxson basically yeah. said, hey, man, you got to <laughs> do this at this point. You know, we heard there's going to be multiple hires and we have seen the Bulls make multiple hires. They've made three key hires to the front office. That cannot be the end of the investment, though. Like, I think the Bulls were so far behind, not just in their VP of basketball operations and their general manager role, but in all the little areas that go up and build up towards having a great basketball team, like player development. Like, they have never had a shooting coach on the staff, for example. Uh, their training staff, notoriously bad. So all those things also need to be overhauled. I think that what the Bulls have in Karnaschovas and Eversley is just going to be like a new front-facing face uh, to the rest of the league, the players in the league, the media, and all of that is going to be really good. Everything that I've heard from Eversley and Karnaschovas seems awesome, right? Like, I'm not going to say that they are slam-dunk hires and that they're going to lead the Bulls to greatness, but at least... You know, there's nothing that seems like a huge red flag yet. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rem- you mentioned the other hires they made. They've they hired JJ Polk, who was supposedly the salary cap guy. They got uh Pat Connelly, Pat Connelly from the yeah. Nuggets, who I think was more of a scouting background. But I I do think they it's because Polk is gonna be, I think, assistant GM. It's been reported that they plan on hiring multiple assistant GMs, because I believe that before that they only had one. I might I might be wrong there, but they did say that they planned on hiring multiple assistant GMs because a big theme of like the reporting and just like all the writing has been how they want to modernize their front office. And that's kind of getting what you were getting at, like bring more analytics people in, 
update this player development thing where you don't only have just one guy on staff. We There was a report, I can't remember who said it, it might have been KC that claimed that like Boylan was like doing, Jim Boylan was doing like general manager duties like like this past season because like, like how ridiculous is that? Like they clearly just, again, they needed this huge overhaul. I do think it's, it does sound like they, they will be going further than what they've done already. Yeah. And that's good. And it's not just the front office. It's also the coaching staff. So yeah, I mean, everything we've heard from Karnaschovas and Eversley seems pretty tight so far. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can make the Bulls seem cool again. And it, it, really the first step is going to be getting some lottery luck because the Bulls did not have that, obviously, under the last few years of Garpax. Is this different if the Bulls win the lottery and get Zion? Is it different if, you know, they were in position to draft Luka? Of course, I'm sure that Garpax would have drafted Marvin Bagley over Luka, or they would have <laughs> drafted DeAndre Ayton over Luka, or whatever it was. Uh, but I think that that, that is going to be perhaps the biggest goal of the rebuild, is to rebrand the Bulls. And to make the Bulls cool again. And yeah, I mean, the entire country basically is getting a firsthand look at what the world was like when the Bulls were cool right now. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of making the Bulls cool again, you mentioned the coaching staff. I feel like that a huge part of it is moving on from good old Jimbo here. And from what they said on Friday, like they're going to take their time. I feel like what they said on Friday in terms of Boylan is just kind of being respectful to the process. Like, oh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk with him and his staff before we make a decision. I feel like we all think that they're probably going to fire him. Like Darnell, maybe like Joe Cowley and Casey have been kind of, I don't want to, I feel like they're being respectful to Jim as well. And they're reporting, probably getting stuff from Boylan himself and ownership. Uh, just kind of saying, well, maybe he won't be fired. Like they're going to do this process, but like Darnell, maybe at the athletic the other day was like, yeah, I think he's hundred percent gone. He reported that people on the league think he's gone. If they actually do want to make the bulls cool again and like make them attractive to like top talent, I feel like moving on from Boylan is a necessity. They can do a lot better than that. Uh, again, they said they, they're going to take their time. They really don't have to be in a rush there. It's not like there are other teams like out there like going to steal their candidates. We've re- we've seen some candidates. Adrian Griffin is obviously a popular name because he has ties to uh, our Karnaschovas and Eversley. We talked about Ime Udoka the other day, the Sixers assistant. Obviously, Eversley is coming from Philly. There will be other candidates out there, I'm sure. Like I think we, we've brought up Kenny Atkinson before as a guy who could help develop young talent. Uh, so yeah, in terms of the coaching staff, I probably feel like that, that, that will change over. It's when, uh, not if, you know, like yeah, me, right. there, there's no question. Boylan is not going to be the head coach. I mean, it would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's just being sold. It's just kind of like respect to him. Like, because it's been reported like, oh, he's con- He thinks he he'll have, he's confident he'll keep the job. Like he'd be shocked if he was, I mean, come on. No way you would be shocked because Darnell also did a great piece of the athletic kind of just going into recent history about when there's like front office regime changes, like how often they keep the coach. It's basically they're usually either fired right away or they're fired after one year. And like there's no reason to keep boiling on any longer than he is now. Like Again, the Bulls can do so much better. He's been mocked around the league. Like if you want to make the Bulls cool again. You're not keeping Jim Boylan. As he can care about the players. And I think Karnaschova said that, like, oh, he clearly cares about these guys. Yeah, whatever. He, that's fine. He's. I think he's probably a decent assistant. He knows the game, but we've seen his track record as a head coach. It's not good. What move per- on from Jim Boylan. What percent? No, I'm not ready to move on from Jim Boylan yet. What <laughs> percent chance do you put on it that Boylan still has some job within the Bulls organization as a favor to Michael Reinsdorf, as a favor oh, maybe God. to Paxson? 
at the end of this. Just give me a chance. Ten percent, five. I don't want to say zero. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to say zero because I feel like there could, there's like a five percent chance. Like I feel like his pride would probably, if he gets fired, he won't stay. But there's also part of me that would think that he maybe gets like a. They ask him like, oh, maybe he could be an assistant on the next staff, or he can take like a spot off. I would, I would assume he leaves. Yeah, I'll yeah. say there's a zero percent chance Jim Boylan is the Bulls' head coach <laughs> at the start of next season. And I will say that there's at least a 10% chance that Jim Boylan has some other role non-coaching with the organization. <laughs> we we will see about that. And as you mentioned, obviously they do have, in terms of like just players and getting lucky, they do need to get lucky. Their they're pl- players is the biggest factor here. We can talk about Boylan all we want. They do need better players. Uh, we'll see how they do that in terms of drafting, in terms of trades, free agent signings. We'll, that's all stuff to come in the future. Uh, before we get into more last dance stuff, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, sells hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack. Bet Online is bringing Vegas straight to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden 20 simulations that you can gamble on. You can still bet on Survivor. You can bet on Big Brother. You can bet on American Idol. You can bet on stock prices. Even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online. That's your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings the performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work even faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Bluetooth's online physician is free of cost, and once it's approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE and you just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com with promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, talking about uh, the recent Bulls press conference with their front office. And now we're going to talk a bit about, about the last dance. You uh, just heard us talking about gambling and uh, bet online. Shout out to them again. And uh, that was a big focus of these last dance episodes. It was Michael Jordan's gambling. And I was wondering how deep they would actually go into some of this. Uh, and they actually did go pretty deep. They, they talked about the Atlantic city stuff, which is great. They showed some of his stuff on the golf course. They showed, uh, you mentioned the Jack silver scenes, Went into the gambling. I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's Richard. Richard Acunis. Yeah. Acunis. Yeah. And that I read the Jordan, the role in Lazenby, Jordan, Michael Jordan, the life. And he shows up in that about how MJ gambled with that guy like a lot and owed him a shit ton of money, like into the millions of dollars. Uh, So I was actually kind of surprised at how much they went to that and how much that kind of like affected his, his uh, just like the image of him. Um, I was actually, my, my, it was kind of funny. I tweeted this. My wife was actually like kind of defending MJ about like, what was this really a big deal? And I was like, you know, like, I don't think it's like that big a deal that he's like a d- degenerate gambler, like whatever. Like he had obviously a tons of money. Owing people money is obviously not great. And it's like, like going to Atlantic city in between playoff games is pretty fucking wild. Like if somebody did that now, like that'd be absolutely insane. Like obviously it was pr- covered pretty heavily at that time. 
but even now with like social media and all that, like it would be even crazier. But but then also like with MJ, like the fact that he was able to like whatever get past that and win as much as he did, even with this gambling, obviously that kind of adds to his like whole mythos and his legend. And we saw the stuff with that uh, with that security guard, and like he would gamble on anything. We've heard stories about him gambling on the. Dunkin' Donuts race, even though he like knew the, who the winners beforehand, like there are just legendary stories about there about Michael's gambling. Uh, but I was I was happy that they did go into it and they went into the Atlantic City stuff and just kind of how that some of that kind of weighed on him and some of that coverage. You mentioned that interview he did bef- uh, in the NBA Finals with the fucking sunglasses. Like what a what a ridiculous interview that was. And he mentioned like you know like just a hobby of mine. And he had a great quote as well that was like. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem, which like absolutely iconic line. What were your, some of your takeaways from some of the gambling stuff that we saw in these episodes? So similar to my takeaway from the Pistons uh, walking off the court without shaking the Bulls' hands, my you know that is still a grudge that obviously I think every member of that Bulls team holds. My take on that is like, who gives a shit? Like, get over it, guys. Like, <laughs> this, the idea of civility I think is just so silly in situations like that. Uh, and it's per same same scenario I think with Jordan's gambling. Like, was Jordan's gambling a problem for sure? To me, the biggest problem with Jordan's gambling is that it seems like he didn't pay his debts right away. Right, the uh, money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Jordan. He always. You know, we heard Magic Johnson say this on the doc. We heard some other guys say it that, you know, if you lost to Jordan, he just wanted to go double or nothing, triple or nothing, quadruple or nothing until he beat you. Uh, In the Jack Silverstein piece today, he actually interviews Richard Esquinas and he's going to have a second part of his interview with him, uh, more of a QA and a segment uh, later in the week, I think. That'll be his next email. So definitely subscribe to Jack's newsletter uh, I think that's at reject.substack.com. Follow him on Twitter too. But, uh, you know, in what Jack writes about Eskinas today is that Jordan owed Eskinas $1.2 million, And then, like, they eventually settled on Jordan paying him 300000 It's like, how, why <laughs> did Eskinas agree to that? And it's, it's just, it seems like it's because Jordan just wouldn't pay him. Uh, and as I've been reading some other stuff about Jordan's gambling today, Matt Moore also wrote, uh, a really good piece on Jordan's gambling habits at the action network. Be sure to look that up. I tweeted that today as well. Uh, it just seems like Jordan didn't pay back his debts. Jordan could have crushed all this and kept it all a lot quieter. If he just would have paid back his debts right away, kept it under the table. Yeah, absolutely. I also did love that, uh, we, we got David Stern, like on the record talking about his gambling was obviously one of the big conspiracy theories out there is that Michael Jordan was, did not retire on his own accord. And it was because David Stern suspended him for gambling. Obviously David Stern would never actually come out and say that. And obviously he's, he's RIP David Stern, but they did get a quote from him in this documentary about, about Michael Jordan's gambling. And he kind of poo pooed it as well, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I when I was watching that, I was thinking of how baseball handled steroids. And in that situation, baseball was like the cops, right? Like they yeah. wanted to clean up the game. Like they wanted to, uh, you know, get testimony and really shame their biggest stars. Whereas with basketball, when you had something like Jordan's gambling situation, and man, I did not know like just how much national attention that was getting. We saw the Connie Chung interview. Uh, Costas talked about it. 
in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Knicks in 93 and against the Suns in the finals. Uh, This was like a major national talking point, which I missed because born in 87, I mostly remember the second three-peat more than the first. When I'm six years old, I'm not too worried about Jordan's gambling (laughs) habits on the golf course. Uh, So Jordan's two main problems, one, that he wasn't that good at golf, and two, that he just didn't pay back his gambling debts. Uh, But I was surprised how much the doc focused on it, and I thought that was awesome, actually. Like... You could fill another 10 hours of the stories that aren't fit for print. You know what I mean? Like this documentary has really just touched on like the big cultural touch points of the dynasty. Like all the big moments are being covered in this documentary, but there's so much stuff that will go on set even after these 10 hours. And, you know, I was thinking about that when they were talking about the Jordan rules, too. I've read the Jordan rules. I love the Jordan rules. Anyone who hasn't read it should read it immediately. But that book being like this super controversial thing, like, yeah, Jordan comes out as an asshole. I guess I knew that before I ever read the book. But at the same time, like there is probably a lot worse things that Michael Jordan was doing that are not that's not in that book. Right. Like instead in the book, Jordan's just kind of a dick. He calls Will Purdue Will Vanderbilt. And he's like, you know, talking about freezing out his teammates and uh But in general, that book is not that salacious if you read it today, is my main takeaway. And uh, they could easily fill a whole nother docuseries with the stories they're not allowed to tell. Yeah, I've seen like some some complaints about how whatever it's like it's too deferential to Jordan. Uh, It's not going into some certain stuff that they should. Well, like obviously, like that was always going to be the case. Like Jordan signed off on this. Like they weren't, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't get this made if they were like going to be completely like ripping into Jordan. So like the fact that we got some of the stuff in these episodes, I thought was good. Like you, you can always argue that they could do more, but there's only so much time. Like you said, they could, they could this to whatever 10 hour thing could easily be like three times. Like who knows how long you can make it. Just all this, all there's just so much Michael Jordan content there, but he's obviously such a co- complex fixture or complex figure that you can just go, you can go for days. And the fact, whatever, like I'm, I understand some of the complaints about like whatever kind of whitewashing some of the bad stuff and some of the bad stuff out. But I mean, for the most part, I, I mean, I've loved it. And again, I, I was glad that they did go into some of the stuff today, and that was, that was good to see. And so, kind of building off the gambling stuff, uh, they also did show the stuff with. One of the big famous like Jordan quotes out there was that the Republicans buy sneakers too. And that was kind of a big deal when it happened. And Jordan confirmed that that did happen. And they kind of dove into that. They brought back Barack Obama, who became President Barack Obama this time around, and not just Chicago resident Barack Obama, and kind of talking about how Jordan really did not take that political stance and how he just kind of stayed out of it. You mentioned that, that uh, I believe, was it Senator race, Congress race, whatever it was Harvey Gantt and Jesse Helms and Jesse Helms in in North Carolina in Jordan's home state, or obviously grew up in North Carolina, and uh, and like how Jordan just kind of stayed out of it. He like didn't want to insert himself. He talked about how like he's not a political activist, and that kind of sparked a whole conversation. I, I was noticing on Twitter, like I don't know what because obviously like we see like t- today, like LeBron James is pretty outspoken about political stuff these days. He's like not he's not afraid to say stuff, uh, at least for the most part. I guess the China stuff he was kind of iffy, but he I mean, he has he's been not afraid to like criticize. Trump and all that kind of stuff. And Jordan just wanted no part of it. He even said now, like, I wanted no part of it. Like, I'm not I'm not an activist. I think I see myself as a basketball player. So it was at least kind of interesting to at least get him on the record saying that kind of stuff. 
obviously I think you can probably criticize him for kind of, I don't want to necessarily call him a coward, but the fact that he had that platform and just like didn't knowing what was the deal with that race, uh, the fact that he like wouldn't do anything and just kind of hearing the, some of the backstory about the Republicans buy shoes stuff. was kind of interesting. And Obama even kind of said, he said that all oh, he kind of wished like Jordan might've waded into it a bit more. Uh, I did think that was kind of interesting that they did show that I honestly did not expect it. Uh, so I think that was kind of a pleasant surprise to see just that others see some of that cleared up while some people obviously will not be happy with what Jordan said. And the fact that obviously Jordan kind of stays out of it, he stays quiet now. He doesn't really delve into that type of stuff. Now we kind of see why he doesn't uh, and just his kind of whole mindset with that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. What did you think? Yeah, totally agree. I thought it was cool. They touched on that. Uh, really the Jesse Helms versus Gantt race, like that's way buried deep in yeah. like the legacy of Jordan. But the Republicans buy shoes too is certainly, uh, you know, something that people always talk about with Jordan. So I think that the filmmakers probably wanted to get that quote in and they had a response on camera from Michael. So they decided to tie in uh, the Senate election race in North Carolina as well. And that was really interesting. Like I didn't know a lot of that backstory, Uh, Like I said, that almost seems like a little bit separated from the myth of Jordan. So it was great to get some of that background. And, you know, I wonder if Jordan played today, would he feel more compelled to be a political figure? Uh, I don't know. Like, even though LeBron is obviously pretty outspoken, like there's a lot of big NBA guys who you don't really know their politics. You know what I mean? Like a lot of other superstars. Uh, yeah, we don't know how Anthony yeah. Davis votes. We don't know how Kevin Durant votes. And I'm just thinking of other players like at or near LeBron's level. So I'm not sure. I mean, I think that, you know, when factoring in the Le- LeBron versus Jordan debate, that's that's something to consider that LeBron seems like, uh, you know, more of a concerned citizen, I guess, than Jordan or maybe even like more of a an activist, more of just like a approachable, normal guy like Jordan would never have a tweet like you bump. Trump, you know what I mean? Legendary tweet. Uh, A legendary tweet, but that was totally like LeBron being LeBron, right? Like that was like unfiltered LeBron taking his phone out of his pocket and tweeting the letter U bum. Whereas with Jordan, (laughs) everything was so calculated. LeBron just seems more approachable, more of a normal guy. Uh, It's all really interesting. And uh, I think that, you know, you could make these documentaries on people from, you know, 30 years ago, a generation ago, and they would all seem really fascinating in hindsight just because of how much the world has changed. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally, I, I don't think I realized that Jordan, was it 92 where he didn't go to the White House? Something like that. And now, now I'm just reading now because I, I saw somebody tweet about this, about Craig Hodges was actually very political and like an activist. And uh, I, he, I think he's claimed that he's been blackballed from the league for because of his political political beliefs and obviously just like totally polar opposite. And I saw, I can't remember who it was said that like, it would have been interesting to kind of compare and contrast Jordan with Craig Hodges. That's one of those things where it's like, if you had a lot more time, you could delve into that a bit more. I mean, you could argue that maybe they should have, uh, they obviously did not do that. It would have been interesting to see, but I mean, when you're trying to fit something in the 10 hours, like you're probably not going to spend that much time on Craig Hodges' political beliefs. But that if you are interested in that, obviously, good dude, check that out. Craig Hodges, sharpshooter for the Bulls in the early 90s. He he took was took very strong political stands. Very interesting stuff there. Go check that out. Um, 
Let's move on though to the next part. We're we're obviously we're at about half an hour here. Uh, let's talk about Tony. Let's give let's get Tony Kukoc some love. Uh, we finally saw some Tony Kukoc in this episode. He really had been kind of mostly absent from these first four episodes, and I, I've had seen people like talking about like, oh, where's Tony Tony Kukoc? Where's Tony Kukoc? We finally got some of some Tony Kukoc love on this episode. I mean, some of it was not necessarily love because obviously we saw like the Dream Team story, and everybody knows the Dream Team story where it was Jerry Krause. He 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 took so much pride in the fact that he quote unquote found Tony Kukoc over in Europe. He drafted him in the second round and I believe it was 1990. Uh, they spent years trying to get him over to the bulls. And he was, he, I mean, T- Jerry Cross loved Tony Kukoc. They I believe they like kept money aside for him. They, that was, that kind of played into the Scotty Pippen uh, contract negotiations because they wanted to keep money to sign Tony Kukoc whenever he came over. And that kind of, that pissed off uh, Pippen, pissed off Pippen and Jordan. And we see that play out in that first Olympic game in 1992 in Barcelona, uh, where Scotty and Michael just take it out on, take it out on poor Tony. He like had no idea what was coming. Uh, but I was happy that they showed the fact that he played well in the gold medal game. I was wondering if they were going to leave that out because there's the whole legend about how they shut him down in that first game. He had like four points, a bunch of turnovers. It was awful. But in the gold medal game, while Croatia did get blown out by the Dream Team, because the Dream Team obviously kicked everybody's ass, he had like 16 points, like nine assists. Like he played much better. So I was glad that they kind of showed Tony's redemption in that gold medal game. And Tony, I, I tweeted this yesterday as well that t- Tony was kind of ahead of his time. Uh, this as the six eleven stretch four, he could handle the ball. He was kind of a point forward. Like I feel like Tony Kukoc deserves a ton of appreciation. I was glad to see that he got some of it today. I hope he gets more of it in the future because Tony was fucking awesome. He was dope. Uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Game Seven of the '98 Pit, uh, Pacers series. Zach Lowe did a big article about it, and I think I, I believe Tony had a huge Game Seven in that game. Played a, uh, played a big role in winning that game. One of the toughest series the Bulls ever faced during this dynasty. So I was glad to see Tony. Tony get some love. Obviously, Tony's been involved with the organization in recent years as well. So. I think Tony Kukoc deserves good appreciation. Also, I did not realize that people used to say his name. I believe they pronounced it Kukoc in this episode multiple times. They said it at the draft. Uh, somebody else said it as well, I think, during an interview. But I was I was glad to see Tony get some love. Yeah, but I think that Tony's backstory is probably – well, it's definitely like a lot more interesting than yeah. – the way we got to view it. Like, of course, this whole documentary is through the lens of Jordan. And for Jordan, Pippen represented, or for Jordan, Kukoc represented, you know, part of Jerry Krause. And uh, Krause is sort of like the start of Krause's longing to sort of break up the dynasty era Bulls. And I think Krause is quoted in the documentary saying, Tony Kukoc will be the next star of the Chicago Bulls. But Kukoc's backstory is so much bigger than Krause, right? Like Kukoc has lived a fascinating life. We should try to get Kukoc on the podcast. That would be an awesome guy to get on it. Uh, Zach Lowe did a great Tony Kukoc piece uh, last week on ESPN that was awesome, talking about his impact on the game and uh, his rise through Europe. So I just wish that like, you know, we could uh, we could hear about the pieces of these dynasty not only through Jordan's lens, but you know, for them as individuals and them as players, because I think P- or Kukoc is a lot more interesting than just Jerry Krause's infatuation with him. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's another just like if we we could do so much more, like they 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 have the they fit this into ten hours, and we can just go so much further. We see grew up in with that Eastern Europe, and like obviously like war torn. Uh, was split Croatia. 
I think. And just like coming from that and like and the, to make it where he did, like I said, ahead of his time. That's a super interesting story. And like whatever. And Pippen and Jordan just basically bullied him to start, but they ended up coming together obviously later on. Uh, they got J- Jordan and Pippen both like Kugoc ended up looking up to Pippen. Uh, they ended up getting along well. So yeah, definitely. Like Kugoc's story is very interesting. Just his whole backstory, and it's just another thing where like if if we had infinite amount of time, we we could see. There's just so much more you could tell, and so it's like the doc is great. Hearing this stuff is awesome. There's even so much more you could go into. But uh, moving on from uh, Tony, uh, is there any other? big stories from the from these two episodes that you that stood out to you yeah not really i mean i feel like <laughs> i have known almost everything that has uh, been in this documentary but the great thing is like the anecdotes like the thing i'll yeah. remember about this episode is mj's security guard the white guy with the blonde jerry curls yeah. just like shrugging when they're playing that quarters yes. game in the hallway is sort of like uh lens into mj's gambling habit uh, they're trying to like toss a quarter. It looks like to get closest to the wall without hitting the wall. I want to play that game right now. Watching that, I'm like, oh, I got to work <laughs> this into my next Zoom happy hour. Get everyone doing that. But uh, just like the the image of that guy, the security guard for MJ shrugging, I thought was like my favorite moment of this documentary. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. And obviously, we got some Kobe stuff at the right at the beginning. This they dedicated dedicated this episode to Kobe. We saw some stuff from the '98 All Star Game with Kobe and Jordan talking. That was kind of cool. Some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff, kind of in the locker room, was cool. And uh, there was a pretty sure there was a good quote of uh, Jordan and Jordan. And was it Ewing? Maybe I can't remember who it was exactly. But I also love seeing those old '90s jerseys. But some of that stuff was cool. Uh, we got a, with the Dream Team stuff along with Kukoc. We saw Jordan with just like a savage Isaiah Thomas quote. Like while he was complimenting him, he was talking about like how oh yeah, like second best point guard ever. But I fucking hate him. He didn't say he didn't say exactly that, but it was kind of that. I thought that was the clearly just hates Isaiah Thomas so much and like just the the petty there was absolutely incredible. We heard we saw some stuff with him at the Garden and the old Jordan shoes that the day he. he like, he had his own like bloody sock game where he wore the old Jordan ones for uh, his last last game at the Garden in '98, and he like he couldn't wait to get those things off. And it's like he said he claimed that his like he when he took them off like his shoes or his sock was all bloody, his feet was all bloody. Another cool anecdote, yeah, just little little stuff like that. And it's kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff. We 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 got a, a little Rick Carlisle appearance because I think he was on Larry Bird's staff. They they showed him. I think that was at the All Star game. So definitely just like little stuff like that is cool. Because like you said, like if you're like a Bulls NBA junkie, like you know a lot of this stuff, the basics. But then we see some of just like the behind the scenes stuff with Jordan, with like Magic Johnson, some of his quotes, and just like some of the petty stuff with Isaiah and. Some of the little stuff, like it's just super cool to see that. So, like, whatever complaints I feel like you have with the doc, like there, it does bounce around a lot, and sometimes you might lose yourself with the timing. But like, there's just a lot of little stuff, and just the reminders too, as well. Just like because they showed the '93 Finals, and you kind of got a reminder about how awesome Charles Barkley was at basketball, and like '92 Finals, they showed just like the stuff that rival rivalry with Jordan and Clyde Drexler, and Clyde Drexler was awesome, but he sure as hell wasn't Michael Jordan. Some of those little, just like the reminders, even if you do know this stuff and know some of the backstory, like it's just cool, definitely cool and nostalgic to bring it back. And I enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. 
It's all been awesome. Barkley was obviously fantastic. And I think like all the great players from the 90s would have likely translated and been great players today. The centers are the only guys where like maybe you need a closer investigation. But like Barkley would have been a monster in today's game. He was obviously such a great player. And it's good for, you know, I guess people younger than us to actually get a look at that and see some of the film highlights. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's been like a big conversation I've noticed on Twitter recently. Like talking, oh, well, like if you put Jordan and like these other guys in the league now, like, oh, like people have said, like, oh, Jordan would score 50. Like, I mean, I don't know about that, but he would obviously still be awesome. Because then, you, and then you see other people, like, oh, well, if you put like LeBron and KD in the nine, that, I think Wilbon said that, which is absolutely asinine that if you put them in the 80s, they wouldn't do well. Like, that's absolutely crazy talk. Like, these great players would be great no matter what. And they'd, they'd adapt, they'd adjust. I mean, and Barkley, it's especially funny with Barkley because, like, with Barkley, like, obviously, especially the younger generation knows him now as just, like, the big, goofy guy who says goofy shit, a lot of dumb shit on TNT. But, like, the dude was a fucking baller when he was just, like, a, uh, just, a, the, I mean, obviously, the mound round of rebound, like, they, it was his nickname, but, like, he was, like, he was legit. He wasn't really, he was not necessarily fat when he was in his prime, winning MVPs with the Suns when he, when he was awesome with the Sixers. Like, that dude was an absolute monster. Uh, and yeah, he, and he'd be really good. So it's, it's definitely a good reminder. Some people who may not know Charles Barkley is an awesome basketball player and just know him as a goofy analyst, like that he was that good. So this doc is definitely good for kind of teaching, at least just kind of showing that just how good he was. I want to plug my new site here right before the end of the Please I do. We've already gone too long. So long story short, I got furloughed for three months at SB Nation. Uh, we don't really have a guarantee if our jobs are going to be there when we get back. I hope they are. I loved my job at SB Nation. It's meant so much to me over the last eight years. Uh, but I am unemployed right now. I'm, I don't have a job, at least for the next three months. So I started my own Substack site. It's rickyodonnell.substack.com. For now, all I'm doing is continuing this weird video game series that I started two days before I got the news that I was going to be furloughed. And that's I'm playing College Hoops 2K8, the last college basketball video game ever made. In my opinion, the best sports simulation video game ever made. And I took the worst local team, which is Western Illinois, Uh, You're given a choice when you start a dynasty mode of about like 15 really bad teams. They're the local team. So I picked the Leathernecks and I'm trying to win the national championship with them. Going through the dynasty mode, recruiting players. And I've been like writing a story along with it too. I even did a live press conference at one point. uh, And I've been watching the games, not playing them, the big games and taking video of them and turning that into YouTube videos. So I somehow got 6,200 people to sign up for this newsletter reading me play a video game from 13 years ago. I don't know if I'm going to be writing about the Bulls there. Uh, Obviously, I want to find full-time work. But sign up for that site if you want to. It's rickyodonnell.substack.com. I don't blame you if you don't want to read the (laughs) old video game series, but people love it. They changed the Wikipedia page for Western Illinois basketball to make me the head coach. I noticed someone did that (laughs) last week and that's still the case on the site today. I'm publishing the next chapter on Wednesday. So basically every post has been like two years and this most recent post, which is my eighth year as head coach uh, of Western Illinois, I'm calling myself Ricky charisma because one of the ratings your coach is judged by is charisma. And I boosted that all the way up so I could get recruits right away. Uh, we made the Sweet 16 for the first time 
we knocked off a second seeded Michigan State team uh, to make the Sweet 16. So that's going to publish Wednesday. If you want to read the rest of that series, or if you just want to see if I'll continue writing some bulls or draft stuff, or if you just want to like be a nice, chill person and sign up to get free email updates, you're not going to get charged anything. Uh, you can do that. So I just wanted to give that a shout out real quick. I can confirm Western Illinois Leathernecks men's basketball on Wikipedia had coach Ricky O'Donnell in his 12th season. Page does not exist. The link there does not take to anything because obviously it's not real, but that is absolutely hilarious that that is on there. Shout out to whoever did that. This, that's absolutely awesome. This has gotten so much attention, this series, that I now feel like it would be the first page of my Wikipedia, first line of my Wikipedia page. Like, won a national championship with Western Illinois in a video game from 13 years ago. I don't know if I can actually do it. We'll see. Uh, but the next chapter on Wednesday is going to be really fun. And if we make the final four, we're going to live stream. I don't even really know how to do that. I'm going to try to figure it out. Can't be too hard, right? Uh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm very tech. tech- technologically averse i don't know what i'm saying there but yeah it, it can't be too too hard yeah. gotta twi- twitch that shit so uh sign up for my newsletter guys it's not gonna cost you anything please do because i have as well obviously support ricky o'donnell head coach of the western illinois leathernecks men's basketball team one and only baby for wikipedia <laughs> please do that uh i think that's all i got for this week i don't think there's any other leftover thoughts i have from the last dance i'm sure there probably are but there's so much shit there anyways we could go forever uh we've been going too long at this point anyways uh are you good we good here i'm good all right awesome uh as always shout out to blue wire blue wire pods follow us on twitter at blue wire pods uh shout out to our sponsors bet online blue chew uh go check out all the other blue wire pods uh around the network there's no sports right now but tons of people doing last dance stuff and other other content we're still pumping out plenty of content even with no sports for us cash considerations shaggables pod we're on stitcher spotify google play apple pod please rate and review us let us know how we're doing let us know you know where to find us on twitter let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear because obviously we we only have a couple last dance episodes left uh we'll see what the bulls do in the coming months if there's we might have to find new stuff to talk about if there's not much going on We'll try to figure that out in the next couple couple months. If there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about, please let us know. Uh, and that's all for us today. I, I, I'm going to be turning 32 years old in like 40 minutes, so that's a lot of fun. Oh, hell yeah. So, Happy birthday. So, yeah. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. Big 32. Spend a nice uh, – I'm going to get some Portillo's for dinner. I'm super excited about that. I haven't had that, had that in a long time. Chicago staple. So uh, I'm going to enjoy my second 32nd birthday in quarantine. So a lot of fun. Uh, and it's obviously a lot of fun talking last dance. So with that with you, Ricky. It's your CJ Watson year, man. You got to celebrate your CJ Watson year. (laughs) Absolutely. So for Jason, Pat, and Ricky O'Donnell, this has been Cash Considerations, Asian Agables Podcast. We will talk to you guys later. Probably talk to you guys after the last dance next week. Unless maybe maybe the Bulls will fire Jim Boyle this week. If they do, we'll be there. If they do something else, maybe we'll talk to you guys. Uh, before the next Last Dance episode, but if not, we will talk to you guys next in the night. Talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.